podcast in the world from WWE to DNA Impact by way of the NWA. It's time for Reffin' It Up with legendary referee Brian Hepner and guest host, Mr. Reffin' Rant himself, Jimmy Corderas. An all new episode starts in this. Is revving it up. Welcome back to Reffing It Up. I am RJ. I am joined by the two greatest professional wrestling referees of all time. First and foremost, from the Great White North. Well, Somewhat not white north, Mr. Jimmy Caderas. And he's got the guns out, guys. It's gotta be Brian Hebner. But first, Jimmy, how you doing? How you how you doing up there? It's a little chilly up there today, right? Uh, it is a little chilly, but it's okay. Uh, I managed to get by. It's, it is what it is up here. At least I'm not on the East Coast where they're getting hammered. My goodness. I feel I feel for them out there. Yeah, I guess uh we were worried about like we mentioned, uh I mentioned to you guys earlier, we're heading up to uh the Great White North this weekend. Wife has family up there, so we're going up Friday to Friday to Monday. And then she's like, "Oh, it's supposed to get snow." I'm like, "No, nah, it's like Maine and Vermont, all where every where they want it." <laughs> <laughs> so they're getting like a foot or something. I'm like, "Eh, what?" Oh well, Brian, what's up, dude? Not a whole lot, boys. I uh, just wanted to say to you guys, Happy Valentine's Day, and uh, Happy Valentine's Day to all of our listeners. And I'm hoping that everyone is with their loved ones and having a good day. And if you're not with a loved one, at least. Uh, uh yeah at least uh maybe you got yourself have a couple some... po- have a couple pops on us yeah yeah there, there you go. go so happy you valentine's. gotta buy them but <laughs> yeah, yeah so we get to share valentine's with uh with 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 mr sharky shark boy that's gonna be excited cool yeah Very definitely cool. looking forward to that uh this week kind of get a peek behind the peek behind the mask i guess you could say uh but uh before we welcome him in in about, uh, we'll say about a half hour or so. Uh, why don't we send it up to our first count? This is your one count. Last week, gentlemen, as we obviously were recording on uh, on Tuesday, uh, Scott Demore was, uh, we'll say better use of terms, released, terminated, whatever you want to call it. He, he is out as president of TNA. Uh, Brian, he uh, was somebody that you worked very, very close with, obviously with your time there in TNA, then Impact, then TNA or what have you. Uh, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but this is just a shocker, right? I mean, there's many adjectives I can use. Uh, shock would be one of them. Um, appalled would be another one. Um They're, they're endless, actually. Uh, but yes, shock is a good one to start with, and it was very shocking when broke uh, the news broke I, I i really don't know what to to really say because there's not enough detail out there um but what i will say is from what i know if if they're right meaning that he was wanting more money for the company to make bigger signings and things like this this is a stupid reason to do what they've done i think um and i hope this doesn't bite them in the company's ass by this being done it's a very huge asset that they lost. Very huge. And what else is very, very huge, other than the work that he did, was his relationships with the locker room, the staff, the writers, uh, cameramen, um, 
I have not heard one bad word, not one, uh, about Scott Demore. I know enough about him to tell you that I don't have a bad word to say about Scott Demore. When I left TNA to retire, he was the one that put all of the stuff that they did for me all behind it. He is just a class A gentleman, and I think this was really, really bad for them. And I'm hoping I'm wrong. I'm hoping that maybe this is good as far as what the TNA people have said is that this is for the better of the company. Um, but it's just hard to lose somebody like that and think it's going to get better before it gets worse. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I sent out a text to uh, a few people, one of them being Gail Kim, who I know has a close relationship with him. I also sent out one to Tommy Dreamer. And there's uh, a lot of people that are confused, per se. Um it's, it's just it's just a really, I want to be careful with what I say, but it's just been a really weird and bizarre way of handling business, I think. But I'm here sitting in my home, so there's not so much I can do and say without knowing facts. And I don't know enough of them. All I do is know is that factually, Scott Demore did a lot for that company, brought them back to relevance, and did it very, very good on a small budget. He made them feel important again. People were talking about them. And then to just kind of peel them away after their biggest debut uh, that they've had pay-per-view-wise, uh, bringing back TNA, the name, just kind of, I don't know, it's a whirlwind. And I'm sure it is for talent, too. I don't, You know, because you don't know who's coming in and how they're going to handle you anymore. You know what you had. And, Jimmy, you'll know as talent when you get changes, like when, when Johnny Ace came in, none of us knew how to act. I mean, we didn't know what to expect. And... It just sucks for talent. It's, and it sucks for everybody that works for TNA that's on the road, you know, because he, he, like I said, he was a coveted guy. You know what I mean? So anyway, uh, Jimmy, I'll let you go from here. But that's that's really without facts. For That's really all I can really say. No, I absolutely hear you, Brian. And, and yes, I understand the business side of the business. Sometimes you have situations where things suck and people are let go for whatever reasons, like you said, we don't know the insides, the alleged reasons for him wanting more money to help build the talent, to build the brand up. And <clears throat> I guess you can respectfully disagree with management not wanting to spend more money. But at the same time, is that a reason to let somebody go? I don't understand what exactly happened there. I know that he, I know Scott as well. And he's he's always been so kind to me whenever we were, you know, in in the same building together and we got together and I consider him a friend and he's you, you can tell how much this hit everybody in TNA just by the reaction of the locker room they were more they were so upset and I know you can get you know very angry at some situations like this and I the only thing I could advice I can give to the talent like I said I like you, Brian, I don't know the nuts and bolts of exactly what happened to, to lead to his release, but you keep knocking it out of the park because that's what they've been doing it, doing lately, and show them that Scott was right. There's there's two I just want to add real quick. Um mm -hmm. I see online where fans are saying, I'm gonna stop watching, um, you know, this is bullshit, yada 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 yada. Please don't do that. Please don't right. do that. Follow them stronger than ever. Follow him stronger than ever and show the support that he did to make you want to watch. 
And don't let the locker room down. Don't, don't let the people that are performing for you down. That The last thing they need now is for you to give up on them. Because right. you, you may be doing it for Scott and the right reasons, but you're doing it the wrong way. And it's easy to do that. Believe me, I, I'm not showing it because I'm I'm not in the business right now. Or not in the business right now at all. <laughs> and it, it, it pissed me off. I mean, there's a lot of bad things I like to say, but I can't say them because I don't, A, work for them, and B, I don't know all the facts. But mm -hmm. I do know one thing. Don't give up on the product that you came back in love with. That's not fair. It's not fair. Okay? So support them strong. I'm going to support them strong, and I don't like the decision either, but I'm going to support them strong because I have friends and family in that locker room that I care about, and I'm not giving up on them that worked all this way to, to make it what it is. So don't do that. And then a question for you guys. Is he AEW, WWE bound? And if he is, uh, what you guys' thoughts on that? Because I think if he's anywhere bound, it should be WWE. I agree. I agree with that because, um, <clears throat> sorry to jump on you, RJ, if you, you, you wanted to jump in here at any time. But from my understanding, from people I have heard from, and I don't want to throw names out there, uh, uh, what's going on in AEW is someone like a Scott Demore can offer advice, but they've got a, a, a lot of talented people, uh, veterans in the back there that are offering their advice to talent that, that is not taking it. They're doing their own thing. It's kind of like they're fluffing off. And Scott could be a very valuable asset, even to a brand like NXT and developmental and help build talent because he's that damn good at what he does. Look at, like you said, Brian, look what he did with the uh, Impact slash TNA brand. He built that up to the point where they, if they had a better television deal, they would be contending for the number two spot, in my opinion, uh, as the number two company out there. That's how, how, how good the brand is. And that's, you know, and you talk about AEW catering to a certain way, you know, their brand, they're, they're catering to their fans and stuff like that. Their fans would gravitate to this product as well as others, because Scott knows the business that well. And it's, it, again, it's a shocking development. And like I, I messaged him as well and told him, don't worry, buddy, you're going to land on your feet and be, be better and stronger than ever. You know, just trying to offer some support to a friend more than anything. And like going heading to WWE, like I, I thought to myself, maybe AEW would be a destination because having an on-air authority role would be a good thing for them because they don't have that right now. And he would be a perfect fit there. But again, when it comes to offering his advice and suggestions and his creative ideas, would they take those in hand instead of, would they book the way that Scott, you know, can book? You know what I mean? Whereas in WWE, I think they would take more of his suggestions to heart. They don't need him as an authority figure, an on-screen figure, but as developing and help develop new talent, I think he would be a tremendous asset there. The only thing that bothers me about the AEW thing, and not bothers me, but says that that's a, a possible landing spot is the history that him and Jeff Jarrett have. Um, that's a lot of history there. And I mean, it doesn't take, but what one suggestion by Jeff Jarrett to Tony that says, Hey, you need to bring this guy in and bam, it's done. Right. But yeah. also think too, that, you know, you look at a guy like a Jeremy Borash who came from TNA and went to WWE and they, that's a talented son of a bitch. And they, they figured out how talented he was. And you look at it now. I mean, he's got his own thing. He's doing on his own with his own creative space. I mean, 
when they can get a guy like a Scott DeMore and figure out where his strengths are, wow. Mm -hmm. Huge right. access in some of the weakest areas they have. Yeah. yeah, but you also take no count. I want to piggyback off of something that you said, Brian, about uh, about the brand in general is, like you said, definitely don't give up on this because Scott's gone, because you still have guys like Moose and Josh Alexander uh, and, you know, Eddie Edwards. You got the Motor City Machine Guns. That roster is the, still the same roster that we've pumped up on this show for the better part of almost 100 episodes since day one. We pumped up this roster. Uh, so don't give up on them. Definitely tune in every uh every Thursday and every two uh obviously pay-per-view as well. Uh as far as this goes, I think you're gonna get a lot of people both from both companies, AEW and WWE, going after Scott. He is a very smart, you know, obviously on the outside looking in, a very smart man. Uh haven't had the opportunity to meet him, but I'm sure obviously like just by talking to you guys, I know I can probably uh, gather that much, but you also take into account. Look at the producers that are in WWE right now. PD Williams, Robert Rude. Uh, you got abyss up there. Yeah. A lot. You got AJ styles on the main roster. You got a lot LA Knight. You have a lot of this roster are alums from TNA. So, you would be a fool to not think a handful of guys are gathering a group going into whomever's office is responsible for that, whether it be hunters, whether it be uh, 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 cons, whomever, and say, guys, we need Scott Demore in this locker room, in this boardroom, whatever. I don't know con contractually if he's still tied to TNA. I don't know. Obviously being terminated, I doubt it. But you never know if there's loose ends that has to be tied up. But WWE be crazy. He was there once as a jobber or uh, whatever you want to call him at that point. But you know he's worked in the company uh, and he's a smart man. So I think WWE NXT is the ending spot, I think. I agree. I agree. And he made he made a basically a wrestling company that felt like it was a I don't know an afterthought into something that is, it, it, people started really caring about again. I mean that's just that's huge and hard to do. And I also heard he was trying to maybe possibly buy the company. Why mm -hmm. would they? They're not going to put any more money in it. Why don't they just sell it now? You know. So I don't know. There's so many nuts and bolts that we don't know and. When it all comes out, we'll revisit it. But until then, you're just getting our opinions. Right. Uh, before we get to our, uh, I know we got something for you guys in Redfin Review this week. I want to get your guys' thoughts. Obviously, it's something that everybody and their mother's been talking about is the, the kickoff show from WWE towards WrestleMania this past Thursday. You know, we heard the slap heard around the world. You know, rock slapping the taste out of Cody's mouth. We've heard everything on Raw from last night. Uh, Jimmy, you talked about it last night on on um, Wrestling Inc. with uh, Justin and Jack, but where do you think is take as much time, obviously, but where do you think that this is going? Do you think it's going to be a two-night thing? Do you think it's going to be held off? What do you think? That's the beauty of this. It's You don't know. There are so many directions you can go. I mean, it's like a highway. When you're on your way to the destination, you've got several lanes you can take. 
And that's what they have here. They have several options. And, you know, all these people talking about, are were they working them, everybody from the beginning? Did they change course? Did they pivot? Because, yes, they had to make some strategic changes because of the injury to CM Punk, which was unfortunate, right? I get that part of it. But with the, you got someone like The Rock coming in. Uh, I didn't expect him to get the reaction he got, the booing, you know. But the booing is because they have this wonderful organic baby face that the current crowd loves and they're viewing it as here comes this old timer back he's waltzing his way in using his power his he's politicking his way into the main event and taking it away from one of our guys and then they went on this uh kickoff show and they they nailed it with this making it about family making it personal you know, where they take shots is at Dusty saying that he was, uh, uh, what did they say? Irrelevant. Is that what the, the word they use? I don't remember. P- the pretty much. Word. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, Cody firing back that if your grandfather, Peter, and your grandfather were here, were here he'd be embarrassed. They made it personal. And everything that they're doing is, it, it feels genuine. It feels authentic. It's passionate. It's delivered with such emotion. It, I, I love what they're doing. I love the fact that they're going in these different directions, like uh, many ideas for you can have Cody face Rock night one, for example. Cody beats Rock. And when night two comes around, you see Rock in that locker room. You know, uh, you know, you need to go finish this. You need to get the job done. And Roman kind of throws a little kind of dig at Rock. Yeah, I'll go do what you couldn't do last night and take care of bi- a family business. And then you get that look on the Rock like, what did he just say to me? And, and plant that seed. And then further down the road, you can get your Roman versus Rock at maybe a Saudi Arabia show or some big event. But it doesn't have to be at WrestleMania. Hmm. Well, I I had a prediction and I sent it to you guys and I'm 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 sticking to it. And last night on or not last night, but Monday night on Raw, it um kind of in my mind, the way I heard it and the way it felt to me, I think my prediction was solidified there. And if you boys don't remember, I'll tell you what it was. I think night one, we have a tag team match, boys. I think we got Roman Reigns in The Rock, if healthy, Rollins and Cody Rhodes. Night two, well, also, let me go back. Roman Reigns and Rock don't win, and it's because they have friction during that match at some point, which will set that match up for later on. We go into night two, Roman Reigns versus Cody Rhodes, where The Rock has an effect on the finish. Cody goes over. And now we definitely have that matchup. And that's what my was. Not The Rock being involved like that, but Jimmy just planted another seed in me, which made me my plant grow. And <laughs> and uh, I just think that it makes sense. Or put him as a special guest referee, something happens, you know. I'm not in the big special guest referee thing, but it's the rock. Who cares? Put him in anything, but you got to use him. I mean, you got to use him. And if you don't do it in some kind of capacity like that, I don't know why he's even there. So, but anyway, it, it is so, good. Uh, shit. So I'm going to piggyback off of something. Both of you guys just said about this match. I agree with everything that you guys said. In addition to that, you know, we're talking, Jimmy, you said we're talking about family. We're making it personal. You know, they mentioned they brought up Dusty. Dustin can't be here, probably. You know, never say never, obviously. Unfortunately, yeah. Right. So 
where do we go? What family does Cody have? My prediction is, my bold prediction is, since day one, what have they called Dusty's kids? The NXT superstars. We're going to have Seth Rollins make an appearance in the main event of night two with Charlotte Flair, Bailey, Becky Lynch, Baron Corbin, everybody that Dusty Rhodes had a hand in developing. Obviously, this is a very bold statement. It may not come true, probably won't, but you, you want to talk, you want to make it personal. Then you can build storylines off of that as well with guys with the bloodline to these guys too. So just a thought. No, but, it's but, very, but guess what? Ahead, he doesn't need family. He's got the shield. Yeah, but the shield's one guy though. That's the problem. That's put, the thing. Put, potentially. Or is Cody setting, or is, is Seth setting Cody up? And then mm. he, you know, Seth is the reason Cody doesn't finish the story at WrestleMania and they can continue that and, and do the thing we were thinking yeah. about making it, making that story make sense where he finishes that story at the garden at Madison yep. square garden where his dad was screwed, where the story actually begins. Right. You know, it's a good again, problem to have. It's, it's a good problem it, to yes, have guys. Exactly. It's like, I tried to explain last night on, on wrestling Inc. It's, it's like you're, I, I already mentioned the highway in several lanes. It's like when you're going on a drive with your, your your spouse or whatever and you you have a destination in plan you can take the most direct route sometimes simple is the best but there are other times you want to take a scenic route and say hey you know what maybe we can revisit this place on the way back or something like this and and you change your your you change your route but you end up at the same destination and i think that's what they're doing beautifully here is they're setting up so many scenarios and guess what they've got everybody guessing and it's not mm -hmm. this, oh, I see this coming. Oh, I see this coming. Oh, I see this coming. Everybody's got a different, you know, got the pencil out and a different idea. And that's the beauty of this. thing, Including us, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. You, you know, working the workers is the hardest thing to do. And guess what they're doing? You, you know, you, the listen, workers. You, you look at, Tommy, <laughs> listen to Tommy Dreamer, listen to Bubba, listen to, uh, you know, Mark Henry. They're all speculating as well because they don't know. Mm-hmm. So that makes it even better, guys. And I, yeah. I, I can't wait to see where this goes. But what I want to do right now is send it up to our Refin Review. This is Refin Review. Last night, as we're recording, but Monday, as you're listening, uh, was, we'll say, a bit of a rough night on Raw for some more of, of the uh, referees, Brian. Uh, you pointed this out to us, and I went back and actually looked at some of this stuff, but do you care to elaborate on uh, on your comment? Well, the, the, the biggest thing that came out to me, and I know Jimmy has a few things, too, that we can paddle back and forth real quick, but, uh, you know, I, I don't generally see this with, with WWE. I, I really don't, uh, especially on Raw or SmackDown. But last night was a bad night as far as giving cues. Bad night. Zapata was not on his game. Um, the girl Daphne LaShawn, I think is her name. If I got it wrong, I, I apologize. And even Patton, Chad Patton. Um, I don't know what happened last night. I don't know if they were behind all night trying to catch up. I don't know if they were ahead and trying to stretch. I don't know what it was. 
but they were diving in and moments that weren't that weren't natural just to give a cue. They were they were getting up there and just giving a cue physically through their mouth. I could see it. And like I was telling people in the room with me last night. Oh, uh, we got five minutes and we're going to commercial break. And they're, and they're like, no way. I'm like, you watch. I mean, mm-hmm. it was it was that bad. Um, but obviously, I know what I'm looking at more so than others. But it was just not a good night. It was not a good night in that aspect. And then also, um, well, I'll let Jimmy dive into some of his stuff or go ahead and comment on that. No, I'll comment on that. See, one of the hardest things to do, especially from a referee um, working on television, is to give those cues while in the process of making it look natural and doing your job. It's as opposed to, you know, all of a sudden there's a separation of the talent. They're they're down selling. You can go check on them and, you know, and, you know, Hey, can you continue? You know, got three minutes left or something. You know, it, it's it, it's an art form. It, it really is into in making it look discreet. But another problem I had, if if I don't mind, just making a left turn here, as as Hunter would say, um, for me, it's it's the false finishes. And I don't want to give them away on here because, uh, like I say, once you once you give it away, you can't unsee it, and I don't want our view listeners to unsee certain things but the false finishes have got to be better your cadences have to be better you can't give away there there are times where i'm sitting there and i'm watching and i want to i want to be the guy who goes oh they got me on that one oh they got me on that one i didn't see that false finish coming i didn't see him kicking out of that i didn't see her kicking out of that i see it coming and i'm like back and going oh well that's not the finish that's not the finish and it shouldn't be like that right no, I, I agree with you, and I know exactly what you're talking about. And, yes, yeah, so I won't say about exactly what it is right now, um, but I know exactly what you're talking about, and I get it. And it seems like everybody's starting to do it the same way. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, but I don't know. And then the last thing I want to touch on before we bring in um, um, Sharky, uh, Shark Boy, that is, um, there was a spot last night in the six-man tag, and if I'm wrong about the match, I apologize. Uh, but I don't think I was because I think it was between the Uso brother and New Day Imperium. Imperium, yes, yes. They finally were going to go at it before the commercial break. They were illegal. They got in the ring and just started going back and forth and whatnot, which is fine. The referee Zapata was 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 doing what he's supposed to be doing, hand motioning, putting his hand on their chest, and then all of a sudden shoves Imperium. It shoves him. And we go to commercial break. And I'm like, dude, what in the living fuck are you doing? Now, if someone says, well, it's real, he was trying to go after him. First of all, it's not real. It's choreographed. The guys are going to stop when they're supposed to because they know commercial's coming. But you can hook him by the waist. You can put your shoulder down to his waist to just act like there's so much force coming. But you can't shove him like a wrestler. I mean, I know you're decently built, but that doesn't mean that you're stronger than the talent. And that's what you're showing when you did that. You know, now listen, I'll put you over because I did this year. But I'm also going to tear you down when I see something. It's only to help you. But that was not good. That was not good. And if, if, if I was working there as an agent or anything, I would have brought you backstage as soon as you were done. And I said, well, I would have said, what the fuck are you doing? You are not stronger than the boys. Don't fucking act like it. 
There's ways to do it. Jimmy, am I not right? There, you can hook them. You can put your shoulder down. Yep. You know how to do with Bob Holly and those guys when they were trying to blow us up? No, I hear you. You can't, uh, like you said, in, in the real world, if you want to make it real, if a referee, I'm a big, huge wrestler and I'm a referee and I shove one of those guys, I would, I would expect to get popped in the mouth. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, I don't give a sh flying, I don't give a flying fernum if you're wearing a striped shirt or not. You don't shove me like that. I will knock the living piss out of you. You're yeah. gonna be, I'm going to hit you so hard. You're going to be peeing in Morse code. I mean, like, <laughs> that's how bad I'm going to hit you. You you can't do that as a referee. Yes, you can separate them like you're supposed to, like a professional. You can look like you're getting aggravated, have that look on your face where, hey, come on, I told you to back up, man, back up. But if giving a shove, a two-handed shove like that, uh-uh, don't do it. Boy, Jimmy, I I love the fucking fire and passion. Hmm. I, 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 I. I didn't know this would piss you off. I got to start looking for things like this every week now. I, I swear. Yeah, please do. Please do. Because no, I, because you, you've been there, Brian, you know, this is, I, I, you know, when, when a wrestler watches a match and they look at the story of the, the, that the, the boys are telling during the match and, and they critique or whatever things that go on in a match, or they put over stuff that they see in a match from coming from a referee standpoint, we watch that as well, but we also watch the referees maybe a little too much. At times, but we notice things that, you know, others may not. Right. And right. and like I said, when I talk about the, the false finishes, giving away a false finish just by the way you count. Right. Everything should look the same when you count. Not this slow down for this count, speed it up for this count to make it look better. Every count should, every cadence should be the same. And like you said, putting your hands on one of the big boys, man, I should I should expect to get popped in the mouth, anyways. <laughs> no, 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 and that's that's what that's what pissed me off, Jimmy. Like, like I mean, boy, not as much as you. You even almost dropped the f bomb. <laughs> it came close. It came close for a Canadian. That's a big deal. <laughs> well, so, but but what I'm saying, Jimmy, you're right. You're right. I mean, that's that is a instant no no. You don't shove one of the boys unless it's a spot. Unless it's a spot. <laughs> that wasn't a spot. That was him just like freaking out and then just shoving him. And I was like, what the fuck. I could I could understand it in one instance only. If he was to shove the, the referee first and the and referee says, hey, I'm the authority figure. You don't put your hands on me, you know, and you get fired up that way, you know. And then the boy goes, oh, that's right. I can get DQ'd here or I could. But but to just like during a separation spot where you're just trying to separate the two guys. That's and, what I mean. Yeah, but yeah. that was that, that didn't happen either. And even if. Someone were to shove me. I mean, that happened my whole career. You just yeah. do the, grab the fucking patch. You you know who I am. Da, 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 da. You don't right. you don't just shove them on your own. Be like going to business for yourself. But anyway, we we go on forever about this. We we got yeah, no more kidding. To do shove people. But it, hey, Zapata, don't fucking do it again. <laughs> but anyway, with that being with that being here, said, wait, let's. If I can say one quick thing here, <laughs> you're killing me, Spider. <laughs> <laughs> With that being said, let's take a break, hear from our sponsor, Mad Cat Beard Care, and let Jimmy cool down a little bit. We'll be right back with Shark Boy. 
Let's take a quick time out from this great episode to talk about our sponsor, Mad Cat Beard Care. Ever since I've been growing out my beard, I had the biggest issue of finding the right product from the right company until I found Mad Cat Beard Care. Absolutely phenomenal. The best beard bombs, the best beard oils in the world. And if you don't have a beard or you don't have somebody in your life that has a beard, they have great merchandise. They have hats. They have t-shirts. They have medallions. And the best part about it is a percentage of each purchase will go to an animal rescue or a nonprofit organization. Post a picture of you using your Mad Cat Beard Care products and tag them with the hashtag Mad Cat Beard Care or Cats Beards Pro Wrestling on all your social medias for a chance to win free stuff. But Head over right now to their website at Mad Cat Beard Care and use the promo code Refin It Up to get 15% off your entire product line over there at Mad Cat Beard Care. Thank you so much for sponsoring today's episode, and let's send it right back up to you guys. This is your two count. We are back with our second count with TNA Legend. Shark boy, Sharky, welcome to the show, man. Oh wow, thank you. Thanks for having me. Sharky, what's up, buddy? B Hebs, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. Can I get a show? Yeah. Show, yeah, you can. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Love it. Hey, it's good. Great to talk to you, Shark Boy. Thanks. Thank you for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Oh, it's my pleasure. You guys are two of the best to ever wear the stripes. I'm so happy to be on here with you. Thank we you. That means a lot. So Sharky. we, uh, go ahead, Bryce. Sorry. No, 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 go, 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 RJ. You go. So it's something that I, I grew up watching, uh, you know, the TNA product there when I was up a little farther West, uh, or there in the mid to early two thousands there. And man, I just absolutely love shark boy. <laughs> nobody got, nobody got it, but me and with a group of friends that we always watch, it was only a handful of us. We'd watch WWE. We watched, uh, excuse me, WCW. And then we watched the TNA later on and it's nobody got it, but I'm just like, you know, whether, whether or not people believed it or not, it was a fantastic character. Now initially, where did that, the idea for shark boy come up? Well, I'll tell you, when I first broke in the business, um, and this is one of the reasons why I have such an affinity for referees, I actually started out in the business as a referee. Uh, that was the first thing I did. Uh, when I broke in, this would have been 90, late 95 was when I really first got connected to the business. Um, there wasn't anybody my size wrestling. Uh, Ray was, I think, just about to sort of make a, a big splash on, on Nitro, you know, but there weren't a whole lot of little guys on American wrestling TV. So I was, uh, I was sort of putting the referee role to begin with and the training, I, 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 I was at Les Thatcher's school in Cincinnati and the training was for the wrestlers and the referees was pretty much the same. You learned the, uh, how to hit the ropes, how to take bumps, you know, wrestling psychology, selling all the all the all the stuff was about the same and uh i really took to the wrestling part and i i approached less at some point this was i don't know after probably about a year and a half of being the only referee in the company and i said uh you know less i'd really like to to try wrestling on shows he's well you're the only ref we got uh, what are we, how are we going to pull that off i said well we got the new new kid we're teaching how to how to how to referee i said what if uh 
what if I ref half the card, he refs the other half the card, and meanwhile I throw a mask on and wrestle a match? You know, we could we could pull it off that way, couldn't we? And so that's how the whole mask thing came about to begin with. And I didn't want to be a, a generic wrestling character. I wasn't looking to be Mr. X or something generic. I wanted to do something that was, you know, cool, unusual. Um, and I heard a song on the radio uh, called I Come From The Water by a band called The Toadies. Uh, it was popular on the rock. It was on the rock stations back then. Really cool song. And I thought, man, this would be cool ring music. Um, I, you know, I thought it would really work well. And I thought, well, what would I do that would, you know, could be related to the water? And that's sort of when I came up with the, the underwater superhero character that sort of rises from the water and fights the wrestling bad guys. And that's kind of how it all came about right there. Did you ever direct that character towards kids? Because it actually gravitated very much so to the kids. I mean, without a doubt, uh, what I've what I tell everybody now is kids love dinosaurs, insects, robots and sharks. I mean, you just can't go wrong with any of those. Right. Uh, once <laughs> once I became Shark Boy. Yeah, that was it. I became the uh, you know, most of the time, almost every show at that point, I was the kid favorite. So um, that really helped when it came to the merchandise table, too. <laughs> you know? Which 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 is interesting because you would associate a shark with a bad character because of the movie Jaws and all that sort of thing. What was mm -hmm. it about, what was it about your um, presentation of Shark Boy you think made it work as, as a babyface kind of thing? Well, that's what it was all about. It was a storytelling. I mean, uh, there were times when I would play uh, Shark Boy as a, as a heel and you just play the character completely different. You know, uh, it, it was, uh, it, I think though it, it had a, a I think that the natural progression was for it to be a baby face. I really do. It just seemed like the kids wanted to cheer for the guy dressed up like a shark. I feel like, um, you know, sharks are probably one of the more popular exhibits when you go to the aquarium or the zoo. I think kids are just sort of interested in them in a, in a positive light. They don't look at them real neck unless you're swimming in the beach and want to swims after you, that might be different. But uh, I just think generally kids look at the character as uh, you know, the same way they would look at Batman or Spider-Man. Here's a guy, here's a superhero dressed like a shark. That's that was the idea with that shark boy character was there any pushback did anybody ever say to you as you were trying to move up into different higher wrestling that they were like bullshit man you gotta take this fucking shit off that ain't gonna work <laughs> sure i mean i mean plenty of times i got that sort of feedback but you know what it was mostly from from the, the boys um, most of the promoters that I came in contact with thought it was really original and thought there was something they could do with it. I, it kind of took off pretty quick on, on the independent scene. So the promoters didn't, you know, mind me dressing that way. It was more like the boys would, you know, uh, rib me about it or whatever, which was, I understood it. Believe me. I only, I only put the outfit on when it was time to work. I didn't wear it home or anything like that. <laughs> Not in the airport. You wouldn't wear it to the airport. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't wear it to the airport. I didn't wear it to the bar after the show. You didn't catch me walking around the hotel in it. It wasn't anything like that. But so I understood where the boys were coming from. But the promoters and most importantly, the fans, they didn't want me to take that outfit off. You know, that's the amazing thing about it is, like you said, the fans it gravitated uh, because they got invested in you as a character and what you were doing. Do you think that's uh, other than what we're seeing, uh, you know, on the big stage right now is that something that's that's being lost in some areas and some promotions that you think that people are uh or talent there is not presenting their emotions and their characters as much as they shouldn't they rely too much on in-ring 
the, you know, the, the quote unquote, we got to put on a five-star match you know, yeah. as opposed to telling that story and getting fans invested. Do you think that's a little bit of a problem nowadays? I, I think in general, the answer to that is yes. Uh, I think um, you lose a lot of originality when uh, it just seems like there's so much cookie cutter anymore. A lot of the guys look the same, have the same similar, you know, similar move sets, uh, things like that. And also, like you said, the focus on, am I going to hit a two and a half gainer to the floor instead of telling a story, you know, establish yourself as a character. Uh, one of the best examples I think right now, well, not at the, I mean, recently would be MJF. Um, here's a guy who went in there and just did this character to the mat. It didn't matter if he ever left his feet. He didn't ever have to climb up the ropes or anything like that. He could go out there and get more heat with a promo than most guys could do in their flips and flops all over the ring. And people were really invested in him to the point where when he does that, that silly kangaroo kick or whatever, people go crazy for something like that. I mean, the people's elbow, how much that wasn't a backflip to the floor. That was just, you know, theatrics. And it was, you know, involved. It, it was a, 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 an extension of the character and, that's it, and that's, it still works today so yeah when you make it your motivation to go out there and do every um insane crazy risky move that you know just to hope that uh, uh somebody who's writing the, the sheets is impressed and gives you a bunch of stars um yeah i think you lose a lot there you got to connect with the audience and, and i'm not it, it's not always with the moves a lot of times that's the, the least important thing I just got it. Sorry to cut you guys off. I just got I because I got to get this in every week uh, uh, on our show is I don't give and I'm going to say it again, a flying furnum, whether you could do a twisting, burning 450 hammer Phoenix splash for a two count for right. a false finish. That to me, that makes right. zero sense <laughs> or 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 dueling Canadian destroyers where you get hit with one, you pop right. up and you give the other guy one. So, you know, I, you just lose me. Yeah. It means nothing. If 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 I'm gonna, if I'm going to pop right back up to my feet and hit one on you, and you're going to pop right back up and hit one on me, it doesn't mean anything. What did we just do? Uh, besides, mm -hmm. kill the move. You accomplished that, right? Sharky, do you know the most devastating move in wrestling right now for a finish? <laughs> what would it be? It'd be called a roll up. What is it? <laughs> the roll. -up. The roll up. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's the other thing. I'm going to kick out the three pile drivers, and then you're going to schoolboy me. One, two, three. That's the finish. That, that, that's what I'm saying. It's amazing, man. It's amazing. And we're not knocking it. It's just that the business has changed, and people want to watch them sure. jump off the fucking roof. They want to watch them jump sure. off the fucking roof and go through not one table, but fucking four. You know, but but you know, there's nothing wrong with that if you do it in the right place, if you do it in the right spot. It shouldn't be. In, it, it shouldn't probably be in every show, and it damn sure should be in every match. You know, and, and and if you've got a real good scientific main event, maybe give some thought to not having every match before that do some kind of crazy three fifty splash through a table. You know, um, you know what I'm saying? It's it's just in the right place, the right time. Those things are great. Those are golden. They make for, you know, great TV, but you can definitely overdo it. And I think at some point that's what's going to happen. It's just going to get oversaturated with that. I mean, um, I can't remember who it was. I heard one of the old timers say, why don't we just bring out cards and hold them up? Hey, a nine, an eight. Oh, the French judge gave it a 10. I mean, at that, at some point, that's all this is going to be. It's like a, like a gymnastics display, you know, and that's not what this is supposed to be. Aren't we supposed to be fighting at the center of it? We're supposed to be fighting, right? I think so. That's yep. why we have a referee. Right, right. Well, you'd wonder why we have referees anymore if you're watching the product that I believe you're referring to. 
Well, you got to hold the, you got to hold the ladder steady so the guy can get up there and jump off. It's funny you said that because uh, I was message with Bully uh, Bubba uh, one time, and he was talking about why is the referee getting in the ring to hold the ladder during a TLC match? And, and there was one that I because I've done a bunch of them with with him and uh, uh, Edge and Christian and, and the Hardys, and there was one instance where it was outside and they were doing a spot, and I for some reason instinctively grabbed the ladder that looked like it was unsteady, but just put one hand on it. Yeah, I tried to do it. Tried, tried to do it as discreetly as possible, right? And and he messaged me. He said, "Did they tell you to do that?" And I said, "No, I just I was just thinking safety first, but I didn't want to go overboard and you know and hold yeah. it." He says, "Okay, just wanted to make sure that nobody told you to jump in the because you know, we never did that, Bri, right. during those matches." No, well, you, the key word was discreet, though. I mean, it's you didn't stand there and, and grab it with both hands and make a performance out of it, which I've seen that, too. You know, that's bad. I think it doesn't look right, <laughs> especially when the referee is selling more than the boys are. Like when you see somebody take a forearm to the, to the jaw and the referee's grabbing his. You didn't get hit, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, a lot of the times, you know, when you when you really created shark boy and really became, you know, became popular in TNA. It was about, I'd say early two thousands there, if I stand corrected, but at that time it was the heart, you know, the Monday night wars, the heart of the attitude era. Was there ever a time that you were worried that, Hey, this thing's not going to get over. This is a, you know, we're kind of in the land, the land of the giants, so to speak where you're like, okay, I'm, I'm for better use of terms. I'm a cartoon character here in, in, uh, in the real world, obviously it got over, but was there ever, you know, a thought in your head saying, ah, maybe I should do it a little differently. Well, early on, I didn't speak at all. And then we, and then we did the storyline where I uh, came out of a coma and thought I was stone cold, Steve Austin. That was a huge, um, you know, uh, direction change for Shark Boy. Um, I like to tell people I went to college and I, I, I graduated with a degree in communication and I spent uh, a decade not saying a word as Shark Boy. <laughs> so I could not have used my degree any less, you know. Um, <laughs> but then when I started doing the Stone Cold thing, that was definitely a change. But really, to, to answer your question, uh, the the I don't think the fans looked at it like there was any limitations. Uh, they would have been fine with me uh, working at the top of the card, I think it was always the the promoters and the and the people, the big wigs and the big companies that saw it as uh, curtain jerker, you know, opening match, comedy match, um, uh, something to come out of intermission with. Um, you know, they never, they never, I don't think saw Shark Boy going any higher on the card than that. But I think the fans would have bought it. I, you know, um, whether or not would have been good for business, I who's to say? I can't, you know, we'll never know, but. Um, you know, I don't think uh, I never saw the need to tweak it uh, too much because I feel like I I might run the risk of losing the people. And then that, you know, I would have lost everything at that point. So we, we you brought up the the Steve Austin gimmick, which I thought was absolutely brilliant and, and amazing. And I pop every time. And don't worry, I'm going to ask you to do it. Um, <laughs> but. Was it his blessing or did you just do it say fuck it or any feedback how did that work because i mean you can't just take somebody's gimmick and just roll with it without some kind of approval or some kind of i don't give a fuck 
Well, I'll tell you, um, the whole thing started with a friend of mine uh, from high school used to call and leave us voicemails as the rock. And he did an awesome rock impression. This was during the the Monday night wars when rock was hot as fire. And and the next hottest or the same, you know, the other hot guy was, was stone cold. That was a big feud. So I I could never do the rock, but I I did a pretty decent stone cold. So he'd leave a message as the rock and I'd call him back and leave a message. Hey, listen, you piece of trash. Don't be calling me and talking like that on my answer machine. I will whip your ass, you know, and I would do the Austin and, and that's how I did. That's how I developed the impression, you know. And so we were over in India one time on a tour. It was just me, Simon Diamond and Sanjay Dutt, the three of us. And uh, Sanjay was pretty familiar with the with the culture in India. That's where his family's from. But Simon and I, we were like in a whole on a whole different planet for us, you know, culture wise, very different. So he and I stuck together, spent a lot of time together, got talking wrestling. And um, he said, he said, do you ever do any impressions of anybody? And, and Simon has a decent uh, Ric Flair impression that he does. He cuts a pretty good little Flair promo. And I, I saw it's pretty good. And then I, and then I did a little bit of my Austin for him. Well, Simon, you know, it, it, that may have been a mistake because he would not let it go. After that, he had me doing Austin everywhere and anywhere. Hey, what, what would uh, Steve Austin say about that waiter over there? Well, I'd say he's a piece of trash and he better hurry his ass up and get my food over here. And, you know, I'd just launch into the impression. And we drove Sanjay crazy for two weeks. He's like, would you guys knock off the Steve Austin? We just kept doing it and doing it. Well, we get back from the States. And Simon's having me do it for Conan. He's having me do it for truth. You know, do it for, you know, tell him what you think. Then he has me do it for Jeff Jarrett. And Jeff just, he's like, wow. He goes, you're doing that on TV. We're going to work that in on TV, you know. And at the time, I was already in the middle of this little angle that, um, actually, you mentioned Bully Ray. He was involved, you know, they uh, Team 3D had, had hit me with a 3D, and they wanted me to come out later on the show. And uh, and they said, why don't you wear, like, something on your neck make and sell an injury? I said, okay. So I did that, and then I got beat up in that segment, too. So the next week, I came out with a thing on my neck and a little something on my arm. And the week after that, I came out, my knee was bandaged up. And the week after that, I came out and there was little X's on my fin where it looked like I cracked my fin. So I was slowly being killed. We get, you know, on television, right? You could see it right in front of your eyes. Well, Jeff says, we'll have you come out next week and do the Stone Cold thing. I said, wait a minute, Jeff, we're missing one piece. You're already killing me. Put me in a coma. Put me in the hospital. Let me wake up and be a new character and think I'm this guy. Jeff said, oh, my God, that's great. He goes to Russo with the idea. Russo designs this insane set that's supposed to look like a bedroom. It was cooler than any bedroom I've ever actually had. It had it was all blue with fish stuff on the walls and a giant aquarium tank in the on the wall. And, um, you know, and so I this was it. I was going to come out of the coma and I was going to be Stone Cold Steve Austin. So I come out of the coma and I'm the character. You know, I t- said the doctor, you stick that thermometer up my ass one more time. There's hell to pay you, son of a bitch. You know, and I, now I'm now I'm uh, now I'm shark boy who thinks he's stone cold. Well, I hadn't gotten any permission. I hadn't gotten any feedback. I thought, let's just do it. It might just be a one off anyway. I have no idea what they what they really have planned for this anyway. So we did it. And then we taped another segment and another segment. Now it's been on TV two or three weeks. Next thing I know, Kevin Nash comes up to me at TV and he grabs me by the shoulder and he goes, hey, Steve digs your stuff. He thinks it's great. He thinks you're entertaining. It's funny. (laughs) I was like, oh, my God, kidding me. Are you serious? He goes, yeah. He says, I talked to him on the phone. He thought it was great. 
And I was like, yes. And I even heard him in a couple of interviews say he thought it was entertaining. And he, he said, uh, one of the things he said that cracked me up was he goes, uh, well, I wish he sounded a little bit more like me. So I got to work on the impression, but, uh, <laughs> but he gave me, he gave it his blessing. He actually said, if the kid can make a little money, then God bless him, more power to him, you know? And I thought, man, now that I've got permission, I'm going, I'm going to 11. So then we developed shell. Yeah. And that's the fishing line. And I took stone cold and SpongeBob and smashed them together and just did it as big as I possibly could. And then they wound up teaming me up with uh, curry man. And it just got more over the top after that. So I, in a way, in a roundabout way, I did have stone cold's permission to do the character. And I was so grateful and I, what a class act he is for, for saying those things. Uh, you know what yep. I love most about that story? Sorry to cut you off, B, but what I love most about hearing that is that sometimes the greatest transitions for a character come out of nowhere. It's not planned. It's not like the, by design. It's like, hey, I heard so-and-so do this in the back. I heard him, this this guy rapping on the bus and stuff yeah. like that. You know what? We got to incorporate that somehow. That's yeah. what I love exactly. most about that story. It was it was super super organic the way it wound up happening, which was really cool. And one of the reasons I think it was successful right out of the gate. And, and, so and also, oh, so go ahead. To, sorry to finish your answering your question, Brian. If Stone Cold had had disapproved, had said, you know, you got to knock this off, or 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 this is a disgrace, or it's an insult. If he had been insulted by what is ultimately a tribute for me, as far as I'm concerned, to one of the best performers ever in the business. Um, just the fact that I could do an impression of him was a tribute. If he had said he had a problem with it, this would have been the first and only time in my career where I went to creative and said, I don't want to do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. But thankfully that didn't happen. And this became like the biggest, uh, you know, the biggest, really the biggest thing in my career, that, that change. You know what, you know, it's crazy, uh, Shark Boy, and, and this is a minute situation, according to yours. This is a, another total layer that's, so far below, but okay. Uh, so and you know because you've you've been around me, but I have an armband gimmick. You know where I wear an armband. Yeah, and and basically it all started not trying to be cool. What happened was basically, when in a nutshell, my mom had developed cancer, and when my mom got cancer, I told her that I wanted me every time I was on TV, I wanted her to watch and I wanted her to know I was thinking about her and praying for her, and I told her I'd wear that headband and I would do this not to 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 acknowledge the truck but just to acknowledge her okay so, anyway, so then she she fought it it was all good i continued to wear it because now it was like my baby it was like a part of my body yeah you know? so um once i got out of the business there was a referee and i'm not going to name his name decides he wants to wear one and to my disapproval i said because first of all he was a shitty ref Secondly, <laughs> secondly, he didn't fucking ask. Thirdly, he knew it was my gimmick because he wouldn't have waited until after I retired to do it. So mm -hmm. I called people that I know and told him to take the fucking thing off or I was going to fucking go crazy. He did. I was also called by another referee that I actually respected that was doing a good job. And asked me respectfully, man to man, could he please wear it? And gave me the reasons why he wanted to wear it. And I told him, I'm good with it. So what I'm saying is things that are that important to you, which you goddamn, the, the 
Stone Cold gimmick has got to be something that means something to him and sure. allows and allows you to do it and says, okay, is huge. And like I said, I it's a different, different level what I'm talking about. But no, no, it's it, it, and you know, and that's exactly right. I mean, I, I met Steve Austin one time, I think, before. No, I, I take that back. I, I, I did. I did run into him when I had a little tryout run in WWE, but we only spoke a couple of times. And I would I would ne- I would not go so far as to call us friends. Definitely, you know, acquaintance or, or, or co-workers, but not not friends. And so it would have been probably a little difficult for me to get in touch with him anyway. But I can only imagine getting a hold of him and, and trying to describe to him what this character was going to be right, to get his permission. So I thought, well, to hell with it. Let's just roll the dice and see how he reacts. And I'm so grateful that, like you said, um, to, to, you know, that's his entire persona. Like you said, it was so amazing to, to hear. I think what it boiled down to was like what Kevin Nash said, he was entertained by it. And, And ultimately if I'm entertaining him, then, you know, that was that was a huge, huge, huge thing. And, and I'm glad he was entertained by it because then I got to do it for everybody. So why don't we do this? Why don't we go up to our third count, get some couple fan questions in here and yeah. uh, and we'll go from there. Awesome. So we'll be right back with our third count. This is your three count. Welcome back to Reffing It Up, and you know you can't have it Reffing It Up without a three count, and we, here we are entering our third count. We're going to take a couple of your questions, fan questions, and I've got one I want to ask really quickly, and I know it, it, it's, it's uh, I don't want to sound too standard, but I am always fascinated by when wrestlers get in the business, what was it that attracted you to pro wrestling? Because as a, as a young bo- kid fired up watching it every Saturday and Sunday morning, loving it and then growing up and going to watch it and stuff like that. What made you um, love this business and want to get into it? Well, my earliest wrestling memory was when um, Rowdy Roddy Piper hit uh, Jimmy Snuka in the head with the coconut on Piper's pit. Um, I remember seeing that. um, And, and I remember my dad coming home from work that day. Um, He worked half days on Saturday or whatever. And I, and I, we were sitting at dinner and I said, um, Dad, I saw the most amazing thing on TV. This guy hit this guy with a coconut. Uh, <laughs> he whipped him with a belt, hit him with a chair. He comes, he tried to knock the other guy, tried to knock the wall down and get at him. I said, I've never seen anything like this. And my dad said, oh, he said, that's that's wrestling. That's that's fake. That's that's bullshit. No, no, it wasn't bullshit. There was uh, there was marks on the guy's back. And, you know, like he hit him with a chair. I heard the chair. Um, you know, I said, it was real. He was hitting him. My dad's, well, it's, it's, they're not really trying to hurt each other. Oh, no, 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 dad, you got it wrong. And I started watching every week to try to figure this thing out. <laughs> and I, and I got invested in characters. I became a huge macho man, Randy Savage fan and, uh, wanted to go see him every time he came around, uh, Ohio where I live. Um, I wanted to see everything he did on TV. Uh, peripherally, I started of course, getting behind other characters and storylines and, um, you know, so I, I really tr- uh, credit most of it to that to that segment with with Piper and Snuka. And of course, uh, I had, I had uh, uh, classmates in school that were into wrestling too. That it was a thing. We'd have, you know, WrestleMania parties and things like that. So it's funny you brought up Macho Man. That's the, that's the, that's the one in, impression I think I can do okay. That's the only one. Yeah, you should do it. <laughs> oh yeah, dig it. Yeah. 
Freak out, freak out, yeah. <laughs> Elizabeth, Elizabeth. <laughs> Down that aisle. <laughs> yep. Love the macho man. He was my favorite when I was a kid. Right. We got a question here from AP Video. Uh, he wants to know if you have any memories from working with New Jack and TNA in 2003. Yeah, that was, uh, I'll tell you, that was kind of a scary thing. I didn't really know Jack, and the only thing I knew about him was he liked to beat people up, hurt people, cut people. Um, and they and, and they came to me and said, you're going to team with him. And I was like, oh, wow, okay. Here's two characters that couldn't be more different. Um, I wasn't speaking. I wasn't the Stone Cold version at the time. So I was just kind of the cartoon character. And then there's New Jack, right? Um, just diametrically opposed uh, characters. Um, and, and I thought, well, if we're teaming, that means eventually I'm probably going to have to wrestle him. So I just wasn't excited about this at all. You know, uh, we went in there and the first segment they had us do was uh, we played Candyland backstage. Uh, that was the bit. We would play board games. New Jack had a soft spot for board game, board games. And of course, Shark Boy loved to play games and New Jack would play with him. So there it was. And I remember the before we shot the first one, Jack said, man, what the hell they got us doing? I said, yeah, I don't know. I'm with you. I hate this. I don't know. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> so we filmed the first one. We start ad libbing and, you know, I wasn't even speaking, but I was sort of doing my mannerisms and he was throwing in funny lines. He's a great ad libber. And, um, and we shot that first one. And when it was over, we laughed about it. And we talked, we exchanged ideas. If they do this again, let's do this next time. So sure enough, they did. Next time we're playing shoots and ladders or something, you know. And um, and before you know it, um, we were kind of having fun doing it. It turned into a really fun thing. And it probably would have been, I mean, I don't know if we ever would have, I guess at some point we would have had a falling out and had a match. But it never got to that point because I think Jack got fired uh, before the angle could uh, play itself out. But for what we did do, actually wound up being a lot of fun, I think, to both of our surprise. So it, was, it wound up being a thrill to work with uh, New Jack. So I have a fan call here. Um, okay. It's from uh, at Daniel 23 KFH uh, Connor. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I think uh, I know him. He wants to know, do you see one more full-time running you in any uh, federation and think it could work with today? Well, I'll be honest with you, uh, Brian, uh, I have had uh, I've had some health issues that have really limited what I've been able to do here lately. I'm still doing mostly I'm doing mostly appearances now. Uh, I haven't really gotten in the ring very much at all. Uh, and that's kind of doctor's orders um, uh, without going into any real specifics. It just it just isn't in my best interest to do it anymore at this point. Um, but I'm happy doing what I'm doing. I've been doing a lot. Actually, been doing a little bit of like referee stuff, uh, special guest enforcer, shark boy referee stuff, which has been a lot of fun. And it fits right in with some of the angles that the promoters are, you know, the indie promoters are doing. Um, so I try to sell them on that. I've also been managing guys. I even went and got a cane that has a shark on the top of it. And I can bring it out and swing it around at the end. You know, I'm a baby face manager with a cane. <laughs> Old school, baby. Um, so I do things like that. I can still cut the promo. Uh, I can still bite you, punch you, kick you. I can still, uh, you know, sign autographs, of course, and, and things like that. So um, there's still a spot for me on these cards. It's just not so much in the ring anymore. And it's um, I'm pushing 50 now. So uh shark boy has become shark man officially <laughs> officially <laughs> trust me you're still a young man in my eyes Thank <laughs> you. i have I have one more question before we close shop 
I have one more okay. question. I think I think this might be a little long elongated. So um, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think so. Okay. What does the mini van of love mean to you? The mini van of love. Think about that. It had to be something in TNA. Absolutely. And the minivan of love actually presented you with uh, something on an occasion. If you remember that minivan. You oh, to- you're talking about the Lupin Hall of Fame? There you go. There you go. <laughs> that is one of my most prized possessions. That is a that is a plaque bestowed upon me by the crew of TNA. Um, too many names for me to list. You, you probably remember as well as I do, Brian, who all was there and responsible for that. But, um, yeah, um, Lupin, for those of you who don't know, means, uh, you know, uh, making the towns, doing the tour, right? Lupin, you go on the loop. Uh, you got you got a shot up north, a shot down south, one out to the east, and you get back on a plane, fly home, do it again next week. Um, and for whatever reason, the, T, the boys, the crew at TNA felt the need I believe I was the first, possibly the only inductee into the Lupin Hall of Fame. They bestowed that ab- upon me because nobody looped like Shark Boy looped. And the honor of the looping award became something that was discussed. The reason why I told you this, because I wasn't sure that you knew. I thought you might have been more on it, but that's OK. I get it. We <laughs> were this was discussed in the minivan of love, which consisted of. <laughs> Craig Jenkins, Don West, D'Lo Brown, um, Jimmy J, Earl Hebner, and myself. So now I know exactly what you're talking about. I didn't know that's what you guys called it. First of all, I was never invited to ride in the minivan of love. Uh, (laughs) I I was in the other van with Jeremy Borash, Abyss, Eric Young, Bobby Roode, uh, and probably a couple other guys I'm forgetting. Uh, Dutch rode with us sometimes. I think Dutch maybe rode in the mini, in the van of love too, right? Sometimes, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> but no, I was. Uh, I didn't realize that's what you guys called it. <laughs> I was called that the Legends van. Well, well, apparently our, your van was more popular because all the guys you named, for the most part, are up north right now. <laughs> yeah, they, it's funny they dropped me off on the side of the road and headed up to stanford <laughs> and left you with the empty tank they did <laughs> yeah, fill, fill it up before you bring it back oh <laughs> <Right>. uh, what yeah what an honor that was to have that uh i still have the plaque it's amazing that's awesome well sharky we don't want to but we know that the the business and the things that you have going on in life are busy and we were just happy to get you on and be blessed with your time. And um, I, I really want to thank you that uh, me and you have had some good times and you, there, there, there was no looper like you, that's for sure. And I had a hard time hanging with you, Lupin. Um, <laughs> and, and- thank you, Brian. You, you're one of those guys I always look forward to seeing on the road, man. And for sure, you know, well, yeah, that, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm the good looper. I think that uh, if somebody needs to learn a lesson or hear about a lesson of uh, Mr. Sharkboy on the road because he is a looper Hall of Famer and the first and you are right, the only looper <laughs> Hall of Famer. So. <laughs> hey, Brian, thanks, man. And, th- and thank you guys for having me on the show. I really, it was great catching up with you, man. It was great. To, I hope I see you again soon, man. Hopefully we'll cross paths soon. Yeah, thank you so much, uh, Brian. Sorry to cut you off there. 
But thank you so much for joining us, Sharkboy. It means so much. And it makes me jealous that I never got to actually work one of your matches. Well, never say never. Maybe I can uh, convince those doctors to change their uh, prognosis. (laughs) (laughs) Get my raggedy ass knees all taped up. I'll be fine. (laughs) Yeah. So, Sharky, before we get out of here, man, is there anything you want to put over for yourself, social medias, uh, appearances, anything like that you want to get over there? I got a couple things coming up. Um, March the 9th, uh, Big Time Wrestling's doing a convention in Chillicothe, Ohio. Uh, easy to find out about that. Uh, it's a lot of information online. It's a stacked and loaded card. I couldn't tell you everybody's going to be there. The, po- the poster's so awesome, I don't think I'm even on it. That's how many people are there. Um, and then uh, late late in March, um, I want to say it's Easter weekend, Squared Circle Expo, Indianapolis, Indiana. That's another big one. Uh, lots and lots of guys, lots of names. I'll be involved in that. Uh, those are probably the easiest places to come and find me. Um, as far as social media goes, I'm an X guy. I'm on X. Uh, I'll tell you what my handle is. It's sharkboy24 underscore seven. Sharkboy247. You'll find me on X there, and I'll be uh, putting out information uh, about those gigs and other stuff I got coming up. I appreciate the plug. Thank you. All right. And then I just want you to know one more thing. If you ever come on here again. I cannot wait for that, but I do want you to understand there's one word and one letter we don't say on here, and that's that fucking X. It's called fucking Twitter. <laughs> it's like Prince. It's the artist formerly known as Twitter. Well, I, no, I'm not saying X, and neither are you on my show anymore, Shark Boy. Okay. All right. Doing it. <laughs> hey, thanks again, man, for your time. We really do appreciate it, buddy, and I will chat with you soon. Okay. Shell yeah. Take care, guys. Oh, Shell yeah. That was a great – I had to do it, guys. I'm sorry. That was a great uh, sit-down with, with Shark Boy. It was great to have him on. Uh, you don't hear a lot um, of Shark Boy doing a lot of shows, so I'm glad we could get him on ours. And, uh, man, it's, it seems – you know, you bring back those memories of uh, of having him in there at TNA. And, of, of course, I love – anytime you bring up the minivan, I love there, Brian. I mean, I, I mean, he was a he was a big part of the club, but he just didn't fucking know it. I guess. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess not. He was considered the hardcore looper. You know what I mean? And uh, yeah, so it was it was awesome to have him on. I, 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 I'm glad we got it worked out because his schedule was busy, busy, busy. And uh, I'm so happy that he was able to join us because I had a lot of fun, and I know that we kind of had a little bit of time restraint that we had to kind of to get him out of here, and that's okay. We're good with that too, but. Um, it, it's just it's just awesome that he was able to get into what he wanted to do, and I thought he was entertaining as hell, man. I love Shark Boy. Oh, yeah. yeah, no, he was he was great, and as you know, like you said, those stories that he told and and how he got to where he is and 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 development of his character, great stuff, great stuff. Yeah, you know something else that's been uh, great stuff, and I say it each and every week to you, Jimmy, is uh, is your ref and rants each and every day that you're coming out. It's just. I set aside, you know, you always, it's a minute, minute and a half. It's the perfect length. And it's just like, man, I got to get, I got to get my uh, professor Corderas uh, uh, fix <laughs> each and every day. But um, first and foremost, I just got to give you your flowers on that. But what, uh, what are ways people can get, uh, get a hold of you to watch that? Well, uh, you can find me on all my social media platforms on, on Twitter, 
You can find me at Jimmy Corderas and on Instagram. It's at real Jimmy Corderas. And of course, in Facebook too, as well, you can get me there where you can find those rants from Monday to Friday. It's uh, like you said, like about a minute long. I try to keep it about a minute long if I can. And again, giving my opinion on stuff that I think needs to be screws that need to be tightened, not to tear down, but to try to make things better because I want the entire business to be better. And these are, again, the opinions expressed are those of me and me alone and doesn't reflect a roughing it up or anybody else I'm affiliated with. And you can catch me on Monday nights, um, Triple J with Justin Labar and Jack Farmer on Wrestling Inc. Uh, talking raw and talking news and what's what's the latest happenings. And on Wednesday nights after Dynamite uh, on the same platform. So um, and of course, here every week, which having a blast doing this stuff, man, I'm loving it. Jimmy, you know what? I want you to know that this week, this today, which is good, Valentine's Day, you are my Valentine, buddy. Oh, man. You have gotten fired up, have come about that close to dropping F-bombs, and you actually cussed, and then you just been on fire. You've been on fire, and you didn't say the word, the letter, should I say, for your social media. I, you're on fire. Happy Valentine's Day, buddy. Happy Valentine's Day, my friend. <laughs> Appreciate you. So with that being said, I don't know who's going to be mad that you're my Valentine, but I don't really give a fuck at this point. But uh, <laughs> uh, you can reach me at Twitter, at Baby Hebner, and Instagram, at Baby Hebner. Other than that, that's all I have. That's all I want. Peace. Peace, love, and whatever else. Anyways, you can find... <laughs> Peace, you love, can and find the. the... <laughs> I, I got nothing for that one. Uh, okay. But uh, you can find the show's pages at Reffin' It Up on the Twitter gimmick, as well as the Instagrams. Uh, find us on all your major podcast platforms. A big shout out to uh, AJ McKay. Working with him a little bit for something special coming out, uh, perhaps on our 100th episode here in a couple weeks. Uh, and then uh, working with uh, JD a little bit too as well. But absolutely phenomenal talent. Glad that they're a part of this team. Uh, their information, their links are in the show notes. Uh, next week, guys, we are going to be taking it a little bit to the extreme, if you will. Will, excuse me. We'll be welcoming in the one, the only Mr. Joel Gertner. Uh, into the show to uh, have him on. I'm looking forward to that, guys. We've had a few ECW guys on being Tommy Dreamer and Bully Ray, but not anybody that's really kind of the behind the scenes kind of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, so definitely looking forward to that. It'd be fun. I can't wait. I cannot wait. Yeah. And also, there's another thing I can't wait for. I cannot wait to go back. I'm sorry, Jimmy, to keep harping on you. No, but have Day, but I can't wait to go back and edit this show and just listen to you fucking have your real referent. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, we're just gonna isolate that and just play it on loop, on loop, on loop. We'll make it our you know our text tones. We'll make it everything. We'll we'll sell it. We'll sell them on iTunes. Man, we're gonna start making you know shirts for them. Everything, man. That that's go big or go home. There you go. There you go. Hey, <laughs> hey well, good shit. Good shit. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm, Really serious though, Jimmy. I, my my goal now for moving forward is to see if I can top that for you. Oh, <laughs> hey, you never know; it might come. I, I tried. I tried to keep myself restrained as as much as possible, even on even on Twitter. When I have interactions with people, I don't try to get too 
snarky with them, but at the same time, I, I, I kind of get a little bit, uh, you know, have a little fun with them. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> but with that being said, thank you guys for tuning in this week. For Mr. Jimmy Corderas, for Mr. Brian Hebner, I am RJ. We'll see you here next week on Reffing It Up. One, two, three.